Hi there, I'm Matthew Clancy, and this is the Omega Sports Endurance Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to share endurance training knowledge for runners, cyclists, swimmers, triathletes, warriors, and fitness enthusiasts with science-based information, years of certified training experience, coaching thousands of endurance athletes locally and around the world. On this podcast, we'll address common questions related to endurance training, discuss injury prevention and recovery, and along the way, we'll host a wide array of in-depth conversations with fellow experts and guests in athletics, sports medicine, physical therapy, sports psychology, coaching, training, you name it. I want to find the best people to talk to to answer all the questions you have about training endurance sports. I'm thrilled to partner with Omega Sports on this podcast. Omega Sports is proud to be your neighborhood sports store, helping locals run more, move more, and play more. With more than four decades serving North Carolinians, Omega Sports always gears you up to compete to win. In this episode, I'll be talking about the proper safe training environment for youth and juniors to help optimize performance and recovery. But before that, I want to give you a little background of who I am and uh, what experience I have and where I come from. My name's Matt. A lot of people call me Coach Matt. I am the Director of Endurance Performance at E3 Endurance. I'm from uh, Washington, D.C. I was born there. I grew up in the Virginia area around D.C., went to college at West Virginia University, got my bachelor's in journalism. So I've been around the writing and talking to athletes and coaches and uh, people of interest for a long time. I used to write for a couple different periodicals for USA Triathlon as well as Endurance Magazine, and, and I enjoyed it a lot, getting to know what makes people tick, how they get to where they're trying to go, and what makes them who they are is, is really interesting to me. And that's why one of the reasons why I can't wait to have more athletes and coaches and guests on this podcast to discuss the things that are either not discussed that much or discussed a lot. And we want to get down to the fine details of why that those topics are important, how those topics can help athletes at every level perform better. Basically, when I was back in D.C., I started coaching Little League football. And one of the interesting things about coaching Little League football was the psychology of it. I had 11- and 12-year-old athletes, and I worked specifically with our little quarterback. And he had to become a leader of a team of 11- and 12-year-old boys. And that was, that's a challenging thing to do when you've got 10 guys running around and they, they just want to have fun. So I, I took a real interest in how to help him coach or lead these other kids. And when I started thinking about the enjoyment I got out of the, the psychology of being a leader in sports, it, it put me in a place where, hey, I want to start coaching or, or start learning more about sports psychology. So I went to UNC Greensboro for my master's degree in, in sports psych. And there we, we went from nutrition to physiology to biomechanics to psychology. I learned a lot of, about training and helping athletes not just physically but mentally as well and during that process i was racing as a professional triathlete as well as coaching other athletes to compete at ironman or do boston marathon or do 
crit races in cycling. So I've been in Greensboro for the last 16 years, and and I love it. North Carolina is amazing. The place is to train. The weather's great pretty much year-round. Uh, we've got the mountains. We've got the beach, everything in between. And it's a pretty competitive state when it comes to cycling and triathlon, endurance sports. There are numerous teams, numerous athletes, just in Greensboro alone, we have amazing swim teams, amazing soccer teams, triathlon teams, a lot of events for people to participate in, which is is pretty cool because back growing up, there weren't a lot of endurance sports teams or events that people could compete in. So that's one of the one of the amazing things about North Carolina when I moved here from DC was was how many events were there and how many athletes participated in endurance sports versus your typical, let's call it ball sports or big sports. Um, so I've been doing endurance sports since college. I grew up playing those big sports. I played football, I played tennis, track and field. And then once I got to college, there, you know, I, I wasn't a college athlete, so I had to find something to do. And, and one of the things I found was, was running. So I just started running in college and lifting weights and just being more fitness oriented. And once I found out that you could compete at running, I did my first 10K up in Pittsburgh, the the great race, the Pittsburgh 10K. It was amazing. I, I trained my tail off and I didn't know really what I was doing. I just knew I had to run six miles. So I just figured out, okay, how do you run six miles? How do I train for this race? And I went up there, raced it, probably about mile five, I was like, this is very, I mean, it's just interesting. I like this. I didn't know why, but when I crossed the finish line, the, the whole game changed. I was smitten, uh, to say the least, and I had no idea why. Um, really, had no idea why. This is, I just buried myself. I just took myself to a place where I had never gone before. I was uncomfortable most of the time. It wasn't easy, and in some regards it was painful but when i crossed that finish line something in me changed and i found i found something and what i've been doing since that day is trying to figure out what that is and that's where e3 endurance comes when i set out when i started coaching and i did sports psychology at unc greensboro i was looking to coach in a different way i was a part of an, another north carolina coaching group and we coached mainly triathletes, and it was a great group and great coaches, and I loved it a lot, learned a lot, and worked with a lot of amazing people. But after my sports psychology degree, I wanted to go off on my own and, and help people in a different way. And coaching triathletes is, is wonderful, it's fun, but I thought I could coach them better if I could be a, the best swim coach I could be, the best running coach I could be, the best cycling coach I could be. So I went off and tried to be the best single sport coach thinking that would help multi-sport athletes. And, and I think it has. And, and I have had the pleasure of, of working with some great people and helping them do amazing things that they either couldn't fathom of doing or, or I was even impressed that we could get to where we had to go. But regardless, along the way, it was, uh, it's been a, an amazing journey. But I still love coaching single-sport athletes. And where E3 Endurance comes from is, is how do we get athletes to train their best and perform their best. So not only do we train multiple different types of athletes, swimmers, cyclists, runners, fitness enthusiasts, we have CrossFit athletes, we have bodybuilders. 
that come to us because we do multiple levels of training. And part of that training is, is the sports psychology aspect. I do that with all the athletes I work with and not in a way that I'm a sports psychology consultant, but in a way that I'm always using that information to help figure out why this athlete is doing what they're doing. So once I know what they're doing, I can best help them and steer them in a way that's going to work for them. So knowing the athlete's mind is the best way to figure out how to train their body. How do they best work out? So a lot of athletes will train uh, via certain metrics or based on heart rate, power. Do they like wearing watches? Do they not like wearing watches? Do they train by perceived exertion? Do they work better in groups? Do they not? So all those things are, are important in designing or developing a training protocol for athletes so that they can uh, maximize their, their output and then maximize their performance. So at E3, we, we coach athletes, we train athletes, we test athletes, we um, do biomechanic consulting, uh, do bike fittings, and we also put on junior events. We try to build a community within uh, Greensboro and across the state so that we can have more opportunities for people to engage in endurance sports. I just want to delve into a little bit how to break down what it is we do at E3 because we do so much. And I have the pleasure of working with so many different types of athletes and types of people from every age, every level. And it's, it's just fun. It's just fun. And that's the one of the things we'll get back to later in the podcast is this is a tough sport. And, and when you cross that finish line, having expended so much energy, there has to be some fun in it. And it can't just be the finish line's the fun part, but somehow doing all this hard work has to be fun or we just as endurance sports athletes enjoy that suffrage. And that's the fun part for us. So let's uh, delve into what are endurance sports because the word endurance comes from the word endure and enduring something means you have to, you know, get through it. You have to deal with all the challenges, the, the hardness of it, the length of it, just the difficulty of it. And not that other athletes, non-endurance sports athletes, don't have challenges that they over, have to overcome. But for swimmers, cyclists, runners, triathletes, you're definitely your ultra-athletes. You know, there's a lot of difficulty in some of the events we do. So what are endurance sports? What makes a sport hard to endure? Well, with, when you have swimmers, cyclists, runners, triathletes, and ultra-athletes, you know, usually it becomes the distance and the further you go, the more you have to endure or the harder the environment is, the more you have to endure. And that's what I think a lot of endurance athletes enjoy is, is the difficulty, the challenge, the length, the duration, the, the intensity, the climate. I've found that working with those types of athletes, what is interesting, it's just why do some of us, especially endurance athletes, want that challenge? Why do we need to go further or go faster or go uh, higher? What is that in us that it, are, are welcoming that suffrage and that challenge to push the envelope even further? And as an athlete myself, you know, I've done many marathons, multiple Ironmans, and those are, those are hard. And 
rewarding at the same time and why we keep doing that and what we're continually searching for is what I'm searching for as well. So it's throughout these podcasts, we'll hopefully chip away at what the meaning. So that's one of the things we're really searching for is what, what makes people want to do these endurance sports and why are they looking for that challenge? So we'll delve into that over the next few podcasts and the rest of the year and, and continuing on looking for that truth and trying to find out what that actual element of ourselves wants to pursue these distances. And as an athlete myself, I found that the further I go, the different aspects of myself and the sport come into play. I've never run past a marathon. I find that fascinating. I've coached a lot of endurance or ultra marathoners and ultra athletes, and uh, it requires a definite different mentality when it comes to enduring those challenges and, and making sure that the mind is ready to tackle all the things and the variables that are going to come into play when you go further and further and further. It's just more challenging and more challenging, more challenging. And when you take endurance athletes, what defines them the most is not only physically do they have to use their, their muscles and their, uh, their bodies and their minds to, to overcome those durations. They, it's a, a cardiovascular sport, typically. You have to use your heart and lungs. You have to prepare your system to be able to handle the, the challenges and the efforts of all different types of endurance sports. And, and at E3, how we tackle that is we do a lot of metabolic testing and VO2 max testing with athletes. And, and if you guys are familiar with VO2 max testing, it's simply to test an athlete's ability to uptake oxygen or how well they utilize the oxygen they are breathing to go to their working muscles. And obviously, the higher the number, the better you utilize oxygen. So when it comes to endurance athletes, say cyclists, I think they're probably one of the best uh, known athletes for doing VO2 max tests. They, uh, they typically have scores, if you're in the Tour de France, upwards to the 80 to 90 range for VO2 max. And that's a huge number. Most professional athletes will be in the 70s to 90s. And that just means they're, they're one, amazing athletes, but two, that they can go faster, they can go harder, they can go further because they're using that oxygen for fuel. And the more fuel they can uptake or take in, uh, to go to their working muscles, the better their muscles are going to be fueled for that activity. Whereas a less fit person or someone with a much lower VO2 max, typically, not always the case, but typically can't go as far and can't go as fast and can't go as, as hard. They just don't have the fuel, meaning the oxygen, to support the work that their muscles are doing. And so finding out what that VO2 max score is great because it helps the athlete know where they fall in regards to other athletes of their age or their gender. So how do you improve that? A lot of people go, hey, I can just improve my VO2 max. I'll just get stronger and faster. Well, VO2 max, there's an easy way to improve it, and there's a very difficult way to improve it. Uh, the easiest way, and it may not be the easiest way for a lot of athletes, is to simply lose weight. For a lot of people, that might be challenging. And for for athletes that are already 5% body fat who have a VO2 max of, say, 68, 
how do they improve it because they have no more weight to lose. So they have to train based on certain thresholds that we measure during the VO2 max testing. And we're trying to change those thresholds, be it lactate threshold or anaerobic threshold. So if we can increase an athlete's ability to move the needle per se, whereas say their VO2, or their lactate or anaerobic threshold is about 150 beats per minute, well, if, and they're going 25 miles an hour at 150 beats per minute and they can stay, sustain that for an hour, that's great. But heck, if you can move your lactate threshold or anaerobic threshold up to 150, 50, uh, 155 beats per minute, then you can go 26 miles per hour at 155 beats per minute. And there, there go, he's gone one mile an hour faster. And at certain levels, that's a very important aspect to test and train for. So we do the VO2 max testing for that. But one of the really neat things about the VO2 max testing and when it comes to endurance athletes is the further we go, the more fuel we burn and the further we go, the more fuel we need to take in. And with the testing that we do, we not only determine what your VO2 max is and what your thresholds are and how to train based on that, which is all well and good and and helpful to increasing your performance, but it also gives what type of fuel you're burning. Are you burning fats? Are you burning carbohydrates? How many calories per hour at certain heart rates are you expending? And if you know you're going to run your marathon roughly at 140 beats per minute, because that's sub-threshold or underneath your place where you're going to burn out too quick, well, then we can know how many calories you're, you're going to burn for those three hours. And then knowing that, it's easy math to go, okay, well, you need this amount of calories to uh, take in to go run that fast for three hours. So that's super important when it comes to not only helping people go further, is making sure they have enough fuel to cover the distance they want to go. And if you have enough fuel to go that distance, typically you'll get there in much better fashion than if you don't. And one of the fascinating things about about sports psychology and how this ties into VO2 max testing and metabolic testing is the body's an amazing thing. It It takes the fuel you put into it and it takes it to the places where it needs it the most. And one of the areas that doesn't get any, let's say, love from all the fuel you take in is your mind. So as you're running three hours to six hours or doing a 10-hour Ironman or a 35-hour ultra, your body, your muscles are doing all the work. So every time you put fuel in your body, that fuel is going to those working muscles. And and not going to the brain. So what happens is, you know, you're working hard, you're going far, you're fueling, and your body is doing as well as it can based on the fuel you're giving it. But every hour that goes by, your brain's getting less and less fuel because it's going to those muscles that need it first. And what's fascinating about this is, okay, well, there's this thing called latency where, you know, say you're doing a math equation. Let's say it's Four times four is 16. Well, I almost got hung up there as well. Uh, So four times four is 16. Well, that's easy. I can do that in a half a second. Well, at two hours into my marathon, four times four might take me a second to figure out, oh, that's 16. And then 10 hours into an ultra or 10 hours into an Ironman, four times four may take a second and a half, maybe even two seconds. Or you're like, why the hell am I even multiplying four by four in the first place? Who cares? 
And when you make those, when you see that latency happen, that, that time, that longer time it takes to make decisions or to do simple math, then it's big red flag going, okay, well, my brain is not getting fueled as well. It's not working the way it should be. And in endurance athletes, that's one of the biggest aspects. And that's why sports psychology is so so uh, much a part of endurance athletes, it's like, how do you train your mind to deal with, one, the latency, and how do you fuel it when every part of your body is doing the work to overcome the distance, the duration, the intensity that we're taking ourselves through? And that's an area where I find, have always found fascinating. And when I was in master's, my master's degree, that was my not sole purpose, but that was my biggest interest is how do you maximize your mental capacity the further you go? And there weren't a lot of studies back then in that most of the studies were military based, but the couple of the studies that, that I read and, and did reports on were uh, just, just fascinating latency and how to make simple decisions. And I find myself doing it as well in the half marathon coming off of a half Ironman bike ride. It's like, all right, well, I'm trying to break five hours or whatever it is. I've got five miles to go. I'm currently at four hours and 36 minutes. What, what pace do I have to run to break five hours? It's almost impossible to do personally, but, but yeah, it's just because the brain is just working overtime um, because the body's already maxed out. So understanding how much fuel to put in helps maximize or decrease the latency you have later on in the game. And that's one of the biggest reasons why we do the testing we do of uh, the VO2 max. And the secondary aspect of, of fueling is, is not just for fueling for the distance and the duration you're doing, but the recovery aspect. Most athletes we see are under-recovered. Um, you know, most of us are professionals. We're, we've got you know, one to three kids, we've got a 40 to 80 hour a week job, and then we're trying to train for these endurance sports. Um, there's a lot of stress going on. There's a lot of activities going on. And the, the biggest part of getting athletes better is allowing them to recover from the work that they're doing. We can all work as hard as we want to work. And most people with whatever goals they have will work to every level that they can to achieve those goals but where most of them fail and fail amazingly is the lack of recovery it's they don't want to take a day off they don't get enough sleep they don't fuel enough they're pushing their bodies to 16 to 20 hours a day with a lot of intensity in there they're burning a lot of calories but yet they're asking their body to respond in ways that just won't respond given the nature of the work that they're doing. So that's mainly the reason why we do a lot of this testing is to help athletes recover from all the, the stuff they're doing. And that's what's going to help them perform better. Most athletes will, without the numbers and without the testing, they'll just take themselves to places that they just can't recover from. And then they see their performance going south or downward and, and not hitting their workouts and not achieving their goals. And they're, they're having a lot of apathy in what they're doing. And that's when you have to go, oh, hey, let's stop here. Let's figure out what you're doing and what's missing when it comes to the fueling side and the recovery side. So recovery is key for doing all that we do and going as far that we as we go and all the challenges we try to endure when we do these sports. And testing helps athletes understand what it means to recover a little better. So it's just a simple way of of 
putting people to the test and giving them the numbers and and having them um, understand that that's the biggest key to this training is recovering from it. Another aspect of what we do is E3. We look at how to help athletes do what they do a little better, whether it's their swim technique or their run uh run stance or their run technique how are they positioned on the bike which is one of the things i've i've spent the last 21 years doing is helping people get in a better position because if you are in a bad position whether it's a swim bike or run position there's only so much you can do to overcome that inefficiency that bad position and you will just reach a certain ceiling and you can and some Athletes are super strong and amazing, and they can overcome bad positions, but only to some degree. And and when you can fix an athlete's position, either in swimming, their technique, or their run technique, or their just aerodynamics, or their comfort level on a bike, it's a game changer. Because then they're not limited by how they move. They're just limited by how much they want to train, how hard they can train, and, and where they want to go. So biomechanics are important. Looking at how an athlete moves is is key to making them better or faster, less injury prone. Uh, when we're we're in a bad position on the bike, we tend to put a lot of stress on certain joints that don't need it or that we need later on on the run in an Ironman. And getting athletes in perfect position allows them to get stronger versus get weaker. And if you're running poorly or swimming poorly or in a bad bike position, our, our endurance sports require so much repetition. And if you're in a bad spot, all that repetition isn't going to get any better. It's just going to make things worse as time goes on. And if you can fix that, that's great. It's hard to fix. If you've been swimming for 40 years or running for 30 years, it's hard to change someone's mechanics and habits. But when, it, when you're looking at it from an injury prevention perspective and a performance gain perspective, athletes are usually open to uh, making those changes because it's going to take them to where they want to go. And one of the most fun things about what we do at E3 Endurance is, is we try to help athletes who have these goals or this, this mindset that I had when I first crossed that line in Pittsburgh was, okay, I like this for some reason. I want more. Where can I go get it? And North Carolina, like I talked about earlier, has this you know, a great community for endurance sports, and it always has, more so than a lot of the places in which I've lived. And I, I moved to the mecca of triathlon back in, in the mid-90s, uh, Southern California, to go out there and be a part of that community and to train with the best of the best and to learn about the sport and what it means to be a triathlete. And when I moved, and I lived there for four years in, in Southern California, and when I moved uh, to North Carolina, I was I was super impressed not only with how much racing there was but the level of athletes that we had in North Carolina and that just that just isn't triathlon that's uh, runners swimmers cyclists I mean this is a huge state for endurance sports and to be in this state and working in it and helping all the people around North Carolina it's a pleasure and it's a blessing uh, because this doesn't exist around the country and it definitely didn't exist years ago. Uh, you'll have to go to places like Boulder and Colorado to get the type of community that we have here in North Carolina. So one of the fascinating parts of E3 and, and what I really enjoyed is putting on events to fuel that 
excitement and that energy and those athletes that we have here in North Carolina. Uh, we put on cycling time trials. We put on junior triathlon. And we have a whole junior triathlon series here in, in Greensboro. And one of the reasons why we built the, uh, these events for people to uh, participate in is because whenever there is something there that people can come to, uh, it just, it, the connectivity you have with uh, other like-minded athletes just helps grow and grow what it is we love to do. And we can sh now share it with other people because we've met them at this event. And and now we've got a team that's going to train for this certain event, and then they're going to go out and work together and and just build relationships and and just build just good morale and and friendships and and just help grow. So it's it's been a lot of fun doing the series, and we've been putting on the youth series heck since two thousand eight, and we've seen it grow every year. And in the last couple of years, it's just gotten bigger and bigger. And 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 seeing these junior athletes, these young kids participate in these events and know that you know we're building a uh, a lifestyle for these uh junior athletes because whether or not they train for these events that we host because you know at five years old they only have to swim 25 yards and they bike a mile and a half and maybe they run a kilometer you know it doesn't require them to uh, put away six to eight hours of training a week to get in shape for a 12-minute race but but it it gives them some insight to all three different sports you know whether they transition down the road they really love cycling or they love running or swimming and they gravitate more toward that sport it it in, it shows them that you know one you can do endurance sports even at every level and and two that you can do it for quite a long time and that's the beauty of endurance sports is that you know it's not a four year sport like a lot of college sports and a lot of professional sports, if you don't make it to every next level, that there isn't much opportunity for you to participate or even more importantly, compete at whatever level you want to compete at once you reach the, the end of the road, so to speak. And that's the beauty of cycling, running and swimming and triathlon or ultras is you, I, the, the amount of people that are above 65 years old that not only do we see at E3 Endurance, but that we see in all these events is staggering. The, the amount of older folks that are continually doing these sports just seems to grow exponentially year after year. And that's a topic that I, I can't wait to explore is how is endurance sports increasing the, not only the longevity of people, but the, the, the lifestyle and the uh, the wellness of them uh, year after year after year. So they're not just 75 years old, but they're in amazing shape at 75 year old because they're doing endurance sports and they're training this certain way. So we'll definitely delve into uh, how endurance sports is prolonging wonderful lives for, for athletes. But one of the, the topics I really want to talk about today is juniors. We've had a junior triathlon team here in Greensboro for a long time. And it's always been a goal of mine at, at, since coaching Little League football. I was like, I really enjoy helping kids get better and understanding how to do things at that age. You know, that seven years to 17 year old age, this is a great opportunity for athletes to, I'm sorry, junior athletes to improve. And one of the most fun thing about uh, juniors is, is they have this opportunity. Uh, to develop at this biological level, 
there's this window of opportunity when it comes to trying to train juniors for the the Olympic pipeline. And that's one of the aspects that we do is we're trying to, uh, if an athlete at say 10 years old, like I want to run in the Olympics, which is a great goal and, and a goal for uh, probably a lot of kids, and especially after they watch the Olympics in 2021, 20, you'll see a lot more kids wanting to do certain sports because they want to be just like those folks in the Olympics. Well, training kids, you, you've got two paths to really help them get toward, toward that Olympic goal. And, and that's in that biological the age timeline is, okay, if they want to run super fast, well, if they're in those certain age ranges, well, that's while they're developing, you want to develop those aspects um, of speed for people that are, are growing or learning how to use their body. And once you develop speed, you can always develop endurance down the road. So, but let's talk about what is a junior athlete. I, I look at junior athletes as any athlete that hasn't developed yet, who is not an adult, has not finished growing. And that could be, you know, that's ages, you know, five to, to sometimes 20, 21 years old. And when you're working with junior athletes, you definitely don't want to train them like you train athletes that have already developed or that are, let's call them adults or upper age group folks. And uh, juniors are just different people. They're not little adults. They are developing individuals. And you need to really look at it from that aspect. You, you can't overtrain them because their bodies can't handle that much endurance. They don't, rec- well, they recover pretty quick, but they, well, they don't dissipate heat very well. So you can't keep them in the heat too long. They don't have a lot of skin to, to deflect some of that heat and to sweat as well as we do as bigger people or adults. So you really have to put them in an environment that is, um, that's safe and then it's helpful to lift them up and to, to train them more effectively. So we do a lot of biomechanic work with these guys, try to teach them how to move better. We try to teach them how to go faster with good mechanics. And then we try to make sure the environment is safe for the work that they're doing, make sure it's not too hot, not too cool, make sure they have proper clothing. We've got plenty of hydration and we keep them in the shade as much as possible. And that's one of the things when you're, we're training these kids for, let's say, a longer course triathlons, our junior series has our five and six-year-olds doing a really short distance. And as they age up every two years, we change or increase the distance so that they don't go further than their speed will take them. The goal of our junior series is to keep these athletes, like I was talking about earlier, in this developmental pipeline in case they want to go to the Olympics. We're training them for speed at the appropriate age distance. So our, I think our 13 to 15-year-olds will, will swim further, run further, and bike further, and our 16 to 19s will do the same. And once athletes are past that biological window and they, they're, they've developed all this muscle and they've, they've got strength and they've got fortitude and they've, their body can do what their body needs to do, and then they can start doing adult short course racing. And we, um, when we're training our athletes for these distances, that's the biggest aspect is we don't want to lose their speed by just going further and further and further. Um, and I see this in younger triathletes a lot and younger runners like 
high school cross country runners and high school track and field runners that they like, I want to go run a half marathon now because I see my dad doing it all the time. Or I want to go do a half Ironman. I, I turn 18 in November. So on November 2nd, I'm going to do a half iron with my dad or I'm going to do a full Ironman with mom because it's fun. And they've been around the, uh, they've been around the environment as a junior or they see their parents doing it all the time and they want to participate because they share the same joy that the parents have. And but they're just not physically ready to do that. And trying to put the reins on 15 to 18-year-old athletes and kids can be tough because they, they're excited and they want to do it and you want to share in their excitement. But to what detriment? I mean, how, how much is training for a 13-mile fast run at 15 years of age or 17 years of age, is that in their goals? Is that going to help them with what they want to do down the road? Or is that going to put them in, in a place where they're going to get injured and then they're going to feel disappointed with not being able to train or not being successful. And that's going to send them into maybe just disappointment with the sport in general and kind of take their, their enthusiasm away from the joy that they found in running 5Ks and the, and the confidence that they built in crossing those finish lines and, and having success at that level. So you always want to manage or, or help enlighten uh, junior athletes to going, okay, well, do you really want to go this far this soon? And, and here's why you may not want to, and here's where you want to consider maybe just getting faster at a 5K distance versus I'm not as fast as the 10 other people in the group or at my school or my team, so I'm just not built for speed, so I just want to go far. Well, yeah, you, you take everything at an individual level, but when it comes to endurance sports and junior athletes, you know, it's if you guys listening right now do all the stuff that that we do and we help athletes do, then you'll understand the difficulty in endurance sports. And and if you're training juniors to uh, to do these sports, I mean, you've won when you've got ten or twelve ten year olds together. One, you've got to keep the training focused. You got to say, hey guys, we're going to do this, 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 and this today. And we're going to take this break and we're going to take that break. So this is what we're doing. So once these kids know what they're doing, then they can wrap their minds around it. We have to work on speed. We don't want to go too far. We want to keep make sure they're doing the mechanics right. We're focusing on going fast inside those mechanics. Uh, give them plenty of breaks so they can recover. So we're developing that speed network within their physiology. And then we have to make it fun. Um, this sport can be grueling and just take the fun out of everything in life. Usually that's what we call bonking. Somewhere in your race, you'll never want to do these ever again. And I've always found myself to the point where in an Ironman marathon, you name it, I'm like, I even a sprint, a 5K, I'm like, why do you do this to yourself? Why are you putting yourself through this torture? But I think somewhere in that moment, it's because we've reached a place that we don't like to go we're we're exploring and for me it's it's like what's on the other side of that because i want to get and understand that but uh but it's always it's if you're not if you if you don't experience that in a race we always like to say you're not pushing yourself hard enough and that's a scary place to go for a lot of people is to work that hard and what's amazing about some of these world class athletes is their ability to push through that moment where it's like this is difficult i don't like this kind of difficult i'm going to dial it back just a little bit versus this is difficult 
I don't like it, but I'm going to keep on going. And with juniors, we want them to have that experience somewhere down the road uh, because it helps them grow or develop. But in practice and in training, we definitely want to keep it a lot more fun than it is torture. Um, so that's the the area where uh, where um, we try to keep these kids engaged and, and having them love these sports because these sports do such wonders for their one, their bodies and their minds and their confidence and their their emotion that it's uh, that it's so much more rewarding to teach these guys the skills of swimming, cycling, running, triathlon, so that as they grow and develop and they want to go further and further and they want to do more endurance, that they, one, have the skills to do it, the two, have the desire to do it, and three, have the, the love and the, the joy in, um, in what it provides them every time they cross the finish line, just like I did back 27, 28 years ago. I, I can't even remember anymore. It's been so long, but I, but I do remember that that day like it was today or yesterday. And I hope I never forget that feeling of crossing that first finish line and of an endurance sport and going, wow, what is this and why is this? So that's what we're going to explore throughout the endurance podcast with Omega Sports. So I hope you stay with me because I've got some great guests coming up and we're going to explore some great topics and try to figure out what endurance means. So thank you for joining us today. Once again, I'm Matthew Clancy, Director of Endurance Performance at E3 Endurance, located in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, This is my first podcast, and I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly have. The opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my own and do not express the views or opinions of Omega Sports. The podcast will be available online where you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, If it's not your favorite podcast platform yet, it will be soon. So if you've enjoyed what you heard here today, please subscribe, like, and rate us. uh, It'll help us reach our listeners and uh, reach more of you guys. So thanks again, everyone. Have a great day and happy training.